Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning to everybody. Good morning, and, uh, and I just want to wish every mother a very blessed Mother's Day. And uh, not because you, some of you may have biological children, some of you don't, may not, but everyone is a mother. Every woman is called to be a mother, a spiritual mother. And I want to say I'm so grateful and thankful for the investment that you make in the lives of your children. And uh, God bless you, God be with you, and we will definitely take some time at the end of the service to, uh, to bless you in a very personal way. Now, I know this uh, past week has been very troubling for me as a pastor, listening to tales of lamentations. There was this 59-year-old uh, dear sister in Christ who was struck with brain aneurysm, and she lasted a week in coma, and she passed away, and the funeral took place yesterday. And there was this 41-year-old young man, a strong believer, whom we know, I know very well personally, who was diagnosed with a tumor in the brain, and he went for biopsies, waiting for the results. And there's this 55-year-old mother of two in the UK, who is also well-known to me, with an inoperable tumor, given two months to live, waiting in agony for her D-days. And then you hear of this young mother in Mississauga who was taken away suddenly without any warning two weeks ago, leaving an infant behind. So church, how do you counsel or comfort these individuals and their families? What does this tell us, church? It speaks louder of the brevity and the uncertainty of life. That's what he's speaking about. Most of us think that we are here for the long haul. And, but the truth is, with each passing day, we are one step closer to the day of departure. The Bible uses a number of metaphors to describe the Christian life, and the most prominent is that runners, is that of runners in a race. And we have seen that in the scriptures. From this metaphor, we also learn that just as each step brings runners closer to the end of the race, each moment brings us closer to the end of our lives here on earth. Life is fragile and fleeting. We are mortal people living in weak bodies and facing a perilous journey through time. For some, this journey will last only a few years, and for others, it may last many decades. But for all, it will someday come to a close. So as runners, eventually we cross the finish line. And we too will all eventually have to finish this race. The big question is this church. What's next on the other side of the finish line? There is a destiny we are heading to. And what is our destiny? Of course, we are all curious to know that, don't we? Every one of us, we want to know. 
the grief for all of us is because our destiny is unknown. Our destiny is unknown. How can I influence or choose my destiny is the question that every one of you may be asking or thinking. If it is up to me to define my destiny, that would give me the greatest comfort. If I can decide where I'm going to be at the end of my journey, that would give me the greatest comfort. I'm sure you'd agree with me on that. That's what the Lord is telling us through the text today. That's what we are going to learn today, church. So before we dive in, let me give you the great news. Please listen. Our decision today determines our destiny. Let me repeat that. Our decisions today determines our destiny. So with that intro, let's examine the text read for us today. So we are on a journey through the Gospel of John, and we are in the fifth chapter. And let us get the context clear first as we go through that. We looked at Jesus healing a man who was crippled for 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. That's how chapter 5 started. And this event so happened to be on a Sabbath day. So when the Jews accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath, instead of defending his actions, Jesus responds by putting his own activity on the Sabbath on par with God's activity, implying that he was God. And this made Jews furious and enraged that they wanted to kill him. So when they accused him more of this and making himself equal with God, Jesus goes on to affirm it emphatically. And that's what he learned last week. And we looked at verses, verses uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 17 to 23, and we see that Jesus claims that he is equal with God in his nature, in his work, in, in his love and, and knowledge, in his power, in his judgment, in worship. So now, in today's text, we see that Jesus continues to hammer home his amazing claims. So church, you have to come along with me because this is both teaching and preaching. It's important for you to absorb it. Some of the things, if it's hard for you to comprehend today, We'll certainly do that during a Bible study time as well. So if you look at the passage that was read to you from verses 24 to 30, I, I want to break it down into three, chap, three sections here. The first one, verse number 24, I call it the destiny of man. Everybody say the word destiny. Destiny of man. There are only two groups of people that we see in this verse, and those who are spiritually dead and those who have eternal life. That's what you're seeing in verse 24, simple. Then as we go into verses 25 to 26, I, I put that verse, I made it easy for you to remember, the determinant of the destiny. What I mean by that is Jesus is the only one who can impart eternal life to spiritually dead sinners. He is the determinant. He is the one who decides. That's what you're seeing in the verses 25 to 26. So when you look at the rest of it, verses 27 to 30, I, I give the title, The Differentiator of Destiny. In what I mean by that is Jesus is the only one to raise all the dead of all ages and then to judge them all for eternity. 
So this message is very personal for every one of us. Why do I say this? Because we are all heading to a destiny. Every one of us. Whether you like it or not. We are heading to a destiny. So there is a clear message for everyone listening today. Since Jesus can influence our destiny, and He alone can impart eternal life, since Jesus will judge all people, church is only a natural thing for us to think that we must make sure that we are right with God. We have to, through faith in Jesus Christ. Our decision today will determine our destiny. Before we look into the verse, I want to give you this assurance, church. Some of you may think that, where do I fit in here? I don't know my destiny. Don't worry about it today. If only you can hear the word, if only you can allow the Spirit of the Lord as it convicts you, if only you can open your hearts and commit your life to the Lord, today, the decision that you make will determine your destiny. So there is hope for every one of you seated here and those who are watching online. Let's dive into the text now. Verse number 24. John writes this and Jesus says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. What do we take from this church? We are looking at the destiny of man. There are two groups of people, those who have eternal life. It also implies, as you read through that, there are those who do not have eternal life. That's what they're seeing from that, the spiritually dead ones. There is no in-between category. Either you have eternal life or you don't have eternal life. You belong to one of these. So let us break down this verse. As you look at this one, Jesus begins by saying, most assuredly, I say to you. You know, I use the New King James Version, but the ESV says, very truly, I tell you. Very truly, I tell you. So Jesus underlines a point by saying, at the beginning, with very truly, most assuredly. Now Jesus, I want you to understand, everything Jesus says is true. It's not to say that this is more true than the previous ones. No, it simply means the most important thing that Jesus is speaking now. That's what it means. Then Jesus says, look at this passage, he says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. What does hearing Jesus' word mean? Church, it is more than just hearing the sound of his voice because you know even the Jewish leaders heard his voice. Every person who is not deaf can hear Jesus speak. Simple as that. When you read the Bible, you hear it, everybody can hear it unless you're deaf. But with the Jewish leaders, we see that they didn't accept or submit to what was being said. They opposed him and they rejected his claim. But Jesus puts it clearly and it helps us understand what hearing his word means. Look at this, John chapter 10 verse 27. My sheep, who? My sheep, Jesus says, listen to my voice. And when you listen to his voice, there is something that will happen. And he says there, I know them, how do I know them? And they, what? What do they do? 
follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. So when you hear Jesus' word, if you have truly heard it, there is an action from your end. What is that? Follow him. So to hear Jesus' word means to hear with faith and obedience. It means to believe that what Jesus says is true and to submit to his lordship. So the difference between these two groups, church, that those who have eternal life heard Jesus' word, they believed in the one that was sent, Jesus, and they obeyed. And there was this other category, the spiritually dead, they may or may not have heard, I'm using the term very loosely, but certainly have not believed or obeyed. Look at the same verse again as Jesus goes on to speak. He says, he adds, he who hears my word and believes in whom? In him. Who is he referring to? Who sent me? Who is that? God the Father. God the Father. So notice one thing here, church. This, this verse implies, unless Christ reveals the Father to us, we will never believe in him. We'll never believe in him. So as Christ reveals the Father to whom he chooses, that's what you see, not to everybody. Look at this passage again in Matthew 11, verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by, by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And Jesus goes on to say this, no does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So when you believe in the one who sent Jesus, what happens? Look at verse 24, the last part of it. It says, they have everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Church, note the, the weight of this statement, the richness of it. When you believe in the Father through the Son, the believer receives the everlasting life. I'm not saying that's what the Bible says. These are the words from the Lord. What does it mean? The believer has begun eternal life. Please come along with me carefully. Upon salvation, judgment has been given already through Christ on the cross. So the believer will no, no more face judgment for his or her sins. And Jesus adds, as you look at this, he has, but has passed from death into life. That's what Jesus said. This is a powerful way to express that they have been born again, reborn people. Rather than eternal death in hell, they will have eternal life first on this earth and then in heaven and finally in the new heavens and on the new earth. So last week I know we looked at verse 21 where we saw Jesus himself is the only one who gives life whom he wishes. So church, we are saved because God chose us to be saved, not because of any of our merits. So that brings us, I told you it's a bit of a teaching and preaching, that brings us to the doctrine of election, gives God all the glory for our salvation, but then you ask the question, pastor, okay, let's not go too deep into theology, but how can I know whether I am one of the elect? And I've given you the answer before, I'll say it again. 
that taken from verse 24. Do you believe in Jesus as your Savior from sin and judgment? Do you believe the biblical witness to Jesus as the eternal Son of God, who was sent to this earth to bear your sin on the cross, who was raised from the dead by the power of God? If you do, if so, you are one of the elects. If the Spirit of the Lord is convicting you today in your heart, and if you, can, if you have the power to submit yourself to the Lord, you are one of the elects. You've got to truly believe in Christ. The Lord here also gives us, those who believe in Him, the great assurance that He says, look at this verse again, He has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Church, please note this. But here Jesus says that eternal life is the present possession of the one who believes his word. You have it now while you are on the earth. The person has moved from spiritual death to spiritual life. And if the life that God gives to those who believe is eternal life, then it's not a temporal life. Or to put it another way, if you can lose it, then it's not an eternal life. It can't be eternal life. So what we see is the assurance of eternal life to those who have placed their faith in God through Christ. And once you are saved, you are secured for eternity. That's why Paul says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So church, what do we learn from verse 24? The destiny of man. That's what we learn. There can be only two groups of people. One who have eternal life with Christ in the new Jerusalem and the other who are spiritually dead, heading for eternal condemnation. The question is this, which group do you belong to today? So verse 24 is more than a statement of fact. It is also an invitation or a call to hear the words of Jesus Christ and believe in him. So my question to you and here and those who are watching online, have you put your trust in him? If no, why not do it now? So church, we looked at the destiny of man. Now we look into the determinant of that destiny. Who decides the destiny? Let's look at verse 25. Jesus, let me make a statement now. Jesus is the only one powerful enough to impart eternal life to spiritually dead sinners. Look at verse 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jesus again prefaces this statement with most assuredly, meaning, hey, listen, this is very important stuff I'm talking to you now. And he used the same phrase, the hour is coming and is now. Do you recall this phrase anywhere else Jesus used? With the woman, the Samaritan by the well. And he said, that, he said that when he spoke about worshipping the Father, he said in spirit and in truth, he said the hour is coming and now is. So he meant that it was a present reality. That's what Jesus meant. So in this verse, the term now is, look at the verse very carefully, meant that Jesus has a power to speak so that the dead would hear and live when? Now. Today. Today can be the day of salvation. When Jesus talks of the hour is coming and now is, it's about the kingdom's 
present reality is what he's talking about. I know I'm going to throw in a theological term here. It's called the already but not yet. Now, it means that believers are actively taking part in kingdom of God, although the kingdom of God will not reach its full expression until sometime in the future. We are already in the kingdom of God, but we do not see it in its glory. The already but not yet theology is related to kingdom theology, or it's called inaugurated eschatology. But let us discuss this further in a Bible study time, not from the pulpit here. But for the simple mind, let me explain this to you. Let's say I applied for migration to Canada. I'm in a foreign land. I'm given the citizenship status to me while I'm still in the foreign land, and my passport is stamped as a citizen of Canada. So I enjoy every privilege of the citizen of Canada, but I'm still in a foreign land. Now, it only reaches its full expression when I physically bring myself to Canada. I hope that explains to you when you talk about already and not yet. Let's go back to the text now. As you look at this, he says, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Now, Jesus demonstrated that power physically at the tomb of Lazarus, isn't it? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he heard it somehow. A dead man, he heard it, and he came out. Understand this, here: no dead person can hear any voice. We know because the man is dead. He just cannot hear it. But we see in the case of Lazarus, with the command Jesus imparted, the supernatural power for the dead man to hear and obey, who caused him to hear this? It's Jesus. The miracle or the sign of Lazarus coming to life is actually pointed to the spiritual truth that Jesus has the power to speak to those who are spiritually dead today in such a way that they receive eternal life now. Who are the dead? The ones who have not still come to faith in Christ. So church, get this clearly, just as Lazarus was raised instantly at the command of Christ, so dead sinners are instantly saved when they truly hear the voice of the Son of God. And today is the day of salvation. Today you can receive that eternal life. Let's read verse 26. For, there was a reason why the word for is there. As the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. So here Jesus explains why He can impart life to those who hear His voice. The word for is important here, church. This verse explains how Jesus could generate resurrection life by His Word. It is because like God, Jesus has life in Himself. This theology was taught in John 1.1. We know we heard that passage being taught to us, and I taught that on the very first time, very first day. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So life is inherent in God. God spoke all life into existence. We read that in the book of Genesis in the original creation. Even so, Jesus says, the Father gave to the Son also to have life in Himself. So I want you to note here, church, one thing. Jesus is not saying that life comes from the Father 
through the Son, Jesus clarifies that just as the Father inherently <coughs> has life in himself, he also granted or ordained that the Son has the same inherent power of life in himself. Just like what God could do, Jesus could do. It's another claim that Jesus shares full deity with the Father. All the more reason Jews would have got more upset and angry with him. So from these passages, so far we have learned that we looked at the destiny of the man. There, there, Jesus is teaching that there are only two groups of people, those who are spiritually dead and those who have eternal life. And in verses 25 and 26, we looked at the determinant of our destiny. Jesus is the only one powerful enough to impart life to those who are dead. And finally, let's move on to verse number, the last part of the verses. Thirdly, Jesus will be the one who raises all the dead. Look at the verse. He is the one who raises all the dead of all ages and judges them for all eternity. Jesus is the differentiator of our destiny. He is the one who will determine who goes where and he is the one who is going to pass judgment. That's what you're seeing here. There are five important simple truths from this and I'm going to touch on it because of time very quickly. Firstly, what you are seeing in this is that the Father has given Son authority to judge because He is the Son of Man. That's what you are seeing here. Because He is the Son of Man, God has given Him the authority. Simple as that. This actually explains the previous verses that we learned. The reference to the Son of Man goes back to Daniel chapter 7, which the ladies, I, I believe you are going to study that this time or this month, where the prophet saw one like the Son of Man coming up in the ancient of days. So he is uniquely qualified to judge humanity because he is both the all-knowing God and at the same time a man who understands by experience what it is like to be human. So the first observation that we see here is Jesus, Jesus will judge. Let's look at the second part of it. Verse number 28. Do not marvel at this. Jesus says, do not marvel at this. And he says, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. There is something pretty scary here. Jesus claims by, of his divine power in the future, he will give command to every dead person, every one of them, from every people group, from all ages, will arise from the dead. Why does Jesus say here, do not marvel at this? Marvel at what? All who are in the graves will hear his voice. Now church, do you recall earlier, Jesus said those who hear his voice, the son of man, referring to the call of salvation, isn't it? That's what he's saying earlier. But this call is different. What you are seeing in this verse, the call is different. Here the voice of the Son is powerful enough to call forth the dead now for judgment. Everybody say the word judgment. Judgment. Church, a good observation here. Everyone, none exempted, will respond to this call. Everyone will respond. The voice of God now is a call for salvation. Only a selected few who will respond is now, as of today. 
But the voice of God then, at the end of it, is a call for judgment. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry will respond at that time. If respond now, you will not come into judgment. If you can respond now to the voice of God, or voice of the Son. When, and if, it's not if, if you respond then, you will then coming out for judgment and eternal condemnation. No matter what happened to your body, if you're drowned or burned or eaten by scavengers or blown apart by a bomb, at the voice of Jesus, based on the scripture we are understanding, you will be raised to face judgment. Everyone. Church, note this. Scripture indicates that there will be two resurrections. If you truly understand this and grasp its truth, church, your lives will change. Believers will be raised at the second coming of Christ. And they will not face judgment for condemnation. Because you have already passed judgment. That's what he read earlier. But you will be judged for rewards in heaven. But unbelievers will be raised at the end of the millennium. Everybody will be raised. Every non-believer. No one will escape this final roll call. It is a call for eternal condemnation. So we looked at three things so far. Jesus will judge and Jesus will raise everyone as a judgment. There are only, we are going to the third one now. At, at that second judgment that we are talking about, verse number 29, look at this. And comfort those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So Jesus is, is, is plainly teaching that this life is not the end of our existence. You know, if you think the life is over when we take our last breath, we are sadly mistaken. There is life beyond the grave for every person, both righteous and the wicked. Everyone. Every one of you. The wicked will be raised for judgment and then they go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 verse 46. Look at this. And these, referring to the wicked, Jesus says, will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life, eternal life. Church, note this. The eternal life is forever in the same way, eternal punishment is forever and ever and ever. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. So, so far we have looked at three things here. Jesus will judge and Jesus will raise everyone and there are only two destinies. One is eternal life, other one is eternal condemnation. And the fourth one we are looking at, verse 25, the latter part of it. Listen to this. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So the basis of judgment, purely from this verse, it appears that it will be judged based on person's deed, isn't it? That's what it appears. If you take this in isolation, in verse 29 is only describing lives of those who have received new life from Jesus by faith and the lives of those who have not trusted in Jesus. 
You know, good works are simply the evidence of salvation. When you talk about good works, it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Those who believe in the Son will do, will as a result of good deeds, they'll be judged for the rewards. And those who reject the Son will be categorized by their evil deeds while they are here into eternal condemnation. So let's be clear, church. Works do not save anyone, but they do provide the basis for divine judgment. So note this, church. Our deeds manifest the condition of our hearts. Good deeds reveal the presence and or absence of salvation, but do not produce it. Let's be clear on that. Because there are a lot of people doing good deeds. You will not enter into heaven just because you are doing some good deeds. Fifthly, we look at verse number 30. So I said judgment is based on works, and last one we are looking at, Jesus' judgment will be just. Nobody can go to the throne of grace, God, and say, ah, uh -uh, God, you are making a mistake. You have forgotten, you know, I did this. You have forgotten I was like this. None of us have a second chance. None of us. Scary, isn't it? Scary. If you really allow the truth to sink in, it's scary. You will not play around with your time that you have at hand. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my, just, and my judgment is what? Righteous. But I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What is Jesus saying here? He says that he does not do anything on his own initiative. He does what the Father wants him to do. This goes back to the theme of the entire section, his unity with the Father in all things. Jesus says, as I hear, I judge. That's what he says here. So Jesus' judgment always rests on what he hears from the Father. He never deviates from the will of God. Church, please note this. Judging here is not making legal decisions, but making proper decisions about what to do or say. Jesus' judgment is based on perfect knowledge of God's will. You know, earthly judges can make mistakes when the facts are not presented properly. But Jesus is an omniscient God. He knows everything. He knows your closed closet. He knows every word that you speak in private. He knows every abusive terms that you use towards your spouse. He knows everything that you do. Nothing is unknown. His judgment is fair and right. Jesus here renounces the thought that he did anything independent of the Father's will. Again, he's talking about his, his deity. And as we look at it, he says in the verse 30, look at this passage again, my judgment is righteous. Because Jesus listened to the Father, he judges in a righteous or just way. Jesus will be impartial and completely fair in his judgment to all people. No one will be able to complain. All we can do is to plead mercy now, now, today. So as I conclude this message, church, we looked at three things from this passage. Number one, we looked at the destiny of man. There are only two groups of men. 
There are those who are spiritually dead who are heading for eternal condemnation. Those who are spiritually alive because they heard the voice of God and they responded to the voice of God and who are heading for eternal life. And the determinant of the destiny is Jesus is the only one. No one else. He is the only one who can impart eternal life to spiritually dead sinners. You know what that means, church? If you have not responded to the cry of call of God, if you have not responded to what Jesus has spoke, do it today. Because he's the only one who can impart that eternal life. And we saw the differentiator of the destiny. Jesus is the only one to raise all the dead of all ages then to judge them for all eternity. When, the, when we read in the passage of Scripture that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. Church, there will come a day when the call came, whether you believe in Christ or not, whether you are a Christian or not, you can belong to any religious faith or any belief system, there will come a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess because he is going to raise us. Everyone. Everyone. You know, church, you would have probably heard the expression going first class on the Titanic. You know, it describes those who foolishly devote themselves to seek after the pleasure of this world. Their glory is from what they possess or what they have accumulated, what feathers they have added to their caps. But I want you to get this clearly. I, sh I told you at the very beginning what I witnessed, lives that were taken away. They are not taking anything with them. That is how it will be when the call comes on us. We leave all our possessions behind. This world and all who live for it are headed for judgment. Every one of us. As the pastor once, once said, and he said, you know, going first class on a ship that is certain to go down is not wise. Rather, get into the lifeboat while you can. And there is enough room in the lifeboat for every one of you. Every one of you. Jesus claims that he can give eternal life to those who are spiritually dead. And he will raise all people for judgment. So my plea to you, my brothers and sisters, I love you dearly. My plea to you is that Make sure that you are passed out of death and into life. Because you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as your hope. Only hope. Shall we pray? Right at this time as, we, as you are about to pray, if you have not committed your life to the Lord, please, do not let this day pass by. You never know. As I said, this lovely young lady, 59 years of age, she was on a Zoom call working, and she never knew on that particular morning that she was going to die. And she was struck with this headache, came down to the ground, lasted one week in coma, and she passed away. What a beautiful testimony of her life. You know what? She left behind everything. Everything. Everything.
we know where she has headed to. And I wish it could be said about you and me. If you're not sure of it, today is the day. Today is the day. Do not let this day pass by. Reach out to me, reach out to one of the elders at the end of the service and say, Pastor, can you pray with me? I want to commit my life. I want to hear that voice. And as I heard, heard this voice this morning, I want to respond. I want to respond in obedience. Because I want to be, I want to pass over that judgment. I want to be in the kingdom of God. If that is you, I'm going to encourage you to meet me after the service. In private. Some of you may not like to come in public. That's okay. Meet one of the elders. We love to pray with you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the message that we heard this morning, O oh God. And there is no mincing of words as we listen to the word. There is a destiny defined for every one of us. Either we'll have eternal life or eternal condemnation. And you are the one, Father, who really determines the destiny. And it is based on our responding to the voice of God. And we pray in Jesus' name that those of us who have, if anyone here has not responded to the voice of God, but they will do so today. Because we know, Master, that we are going to hear this voice again later on. If we respond it now, it will be for a call of salvation. That we have hope. But there will come a time, the same voice will be heard. And we will be raised from death. And that time for eternal condemnation. So I pray that it will help us, O God. And as we are convicted, that may we come to the throne of grace and plead for mercy and receive that eternal life right now, today. So be with us and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.